Welcome all, whichever time zone you're in, whichever country or continent, we have returned to Haunt Your Nightmares. It's episode three of Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, our weekly breakdown of everything Harley Quinn and her new show. But warning, disclaimer, this is not a show for the kiddies. If you're not old enough to watch the Harley Quinn TV show on DC Universe or on sci-fi very, very soon, you're not old enough or allowed to listen to this crazy show. This week, Harley gets her crew, and I already have mine. First of all, let us introduce fashionista fantastical Mr. <laughs> Brad Malicki. Hi, Brad. How are you? Hey, I'm hanging in. How are you guys doing? Groovy, baby. <laughs> we also have Kendra Hale. Kendra, how are you this fine evening? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm alive. I'm living, and they've let me out of the cell once again. We also have the queen of the purse book, Miss Kelly Gaines. Hello. <laughs> and of course, Singleton is Seth. How are you, brother? Always happy to be among, you know, the right kind of hive mind, especially when it comes to an episode like this. We're about to have some fun, folks. I know I am. How you doing, Steve? Talk about hive mind. I'm literally buzzing. I did not go there this early in the podcast. Team, let's talk about <laughs> our crew and let's talk about Harley getting her crew. Um, first episode of um, a number of amazing characters who we're going to see a lot more of in weeks to come and more magic from Alan Tudyk being the voice of virtually everybody. So let's go. Um, let's talk about, first of all, our favourite little villain. Brad, what did you make of the first appearance of psycho 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 oh uh, boy uh psycho what can be said uh <laughs> then the c word that really followed him around some bad me too moments um but now he is fully part of the crew so uh what can we say welcome aboard uh it is kind of funny that they treated such a I wouldn't call him necessarily a B-list Wonder Woman villain, but certainly not up there with the Aries of the world. But, um, you know, it, 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 in the show, it's one of those things, again, where their version of the character is one of my favorites. He's he's amazing. What, what about you, Kendra? What did you make of uh, our diminutive, dangerous villain? I love meeting Dr. Psycho for the first time because... The whole premise that he gets introduced with is Poison Ivy trying to, to, you know, lure Harley, saying she doesn't need a crew. She doesn't need anybody. She can go out on her own. And this is her example, is this whole moment where you first get to meet him throwing cars at Wonder Woman and then releasing the C-bomb. It's perfect. And it's hilarious. The way that poor dog cannot be allowed <laughs> to finish his business without that C-bomb and the look on its little... <laughs> Where the shirt. whole world just stops. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Kelly, what did you make of Dr. Psycho's debut? Yeah, see, I was stunned that... Again, I, the Justice League is so professional because I was stunned that Wonder Woman didn't, like... It, break him in half basically she just kind of looks at him and then it's like okay hr like <laughs> it's it's hilarious and i just i really enjoy that this whole telling of the dc universe is silly to the extent that no wonder woman's not going to rip his head off for calling her that she's going to turn around and be like all right so this is a pr nightmare for you guys and the Legion of Doom then later in the episode is like, yeah, this does not represent our brand of evil. Like, it's just very odd and amazing how they sort of managed to find a that that modern workplace vibe in such a ridiculous situation. But Psycho, I mean, he it, it, it wasn't not that there's ever a good reason to use that word. I don't think there is. But I mean, that definitely wasn't a good enough reason. He was not in in that, I don't know, realm of, of cuss words yet. He could have said bitch and it would have been fine, just like Harley said. 
Because then it's like, all right, well, you know, she's Wonder Woman, so it doesn't matter what you call her. But that's the one word where it's like, that that matters. I don't know. <laughs> and who knew that you could maim, murder, kill, destroy, um, but the, the ultimate sin for the Legion of Doom is the C word. Seth, what did you make of the whole situation? You know, it's funny. It's kind of like that old, uh, what is it? They call it the uh, the 11th commandment among the Republicans. Thou shall not speak ill of another Republican. It's like this like classic phrase of like, there's the one line you don't cross. And it's like, hey, psycho, at this one moment, you have this opportunity to like, you know, um, say anything else. I mean, <laughs> as Harley so appropriately chimes in right after he drops to see you next Tuesday. He's like, you know, she goes, see, if he had a crew, they would have told him he should have used the B one. It would have totally gone over better. Like, you know, you just got to love that sort of, you know, moment where, as you pointed out, there's Ivy saying, look, he does it fine on his own. Oh, nope, that example just blew up. And Harley's only response is to reinforce the idea that she actually does need a crew. And who she's going to choose is what's going to make this episode so much fun to continue talking about. But what I love is... Harley's unfiltered, but Dr. Psycho, man, I mean, when he's tearing into Clayface and he's like, wow, way to actually be a literal piece of shit. Like moments <laughs> like that, you know, you feel like he's he's introduced himself in such a way where after that, you know, he's the guy who's going to say that really nasty, naughty, fucked up thing. And I mean, he starts this off with it. Then he repeats it on the Tawny show. And then from then on, you're just kind of like, what? What else will he say? Because clearly that's not forbidden. So <laughs> what else do we have? And and I just love the uh, the way he just makes this great splash of an introduction. And for the most part, no apologies. Like, this is who I am. This is how I've gotten by. I've been doing just fine. The world changed around me kind of approach. How about you, Steve? It's like you say, I mean, Harley's bad. But this guy, listen, he's so sans filter. He probably drinks his coffee straight out of the bag i mean it's just like incredible the way this guy has no thought no filter no way of even trying to calm himself down he is as fucked up as they come but oh what a great introduction and uh, things just get even more colorful with this guy as the weeks progress so i'm looking forward to it but we we've got on record saying how amazing the voice talent is and brad i love the way you've maintained that every character here is probably one of the best if not the best versions we've seen of them and i have to say alan tudyuk i I bow to you sir as he played clayface his cowboy alter ego joker and i think one or two other characters this week and i love his clayface the way when he's in thespian mode he sounds like um, John Cleese from Monty Python and, and Faulty Towers just made my British heart sing, don't you know? Brad, what did you make of him? Yeah, I, I this is another one of those incarnations of the character that I really enjoy. I, I think it's it's pretty brilliant and kind of obvious to make him kind of like this completely unself-aware uh, wannabe like Shakespearean actor, and it works. It works so well. And Seth, you brought up that. That's probably what my uh, the whole literal piece of shit scene was probably my uh, number one scene from this episode. But it, it it's such a fun characterization uh, for Clayface, and it's 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 one that I'm surprised they haven't tried before now. But um, um, yeah, I just he's completely hilarious. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? I have to agree with you. I'm really surprised that they haven't tried this before now, especially in in a setting like they had with Taz, the animated series for Batman. It would have been a perfect place to showcase that. And I'm sure some some of the pieces of it, some some of the the remnants of him came over. They took some inspiration from it, but they just don't match it. And I fully agree that these characters, they're more real in this universe. They're more touchable and tangible with these voice actors bringing them to life in the writing. So, I mean, Clayface is just, he's being him, his best self. And it's really funny to see him in both, both attributes because you get to see him enhance Dr. Psycho and Harley's performances when they're in this bar because all he does is shake and both of them freak out with the clay that goes everywhere. And you just get to see more and more, like there's a, I think there's a God damn it in there somewhere. 
and you get to see like this is this is what the dynamic is going to be between these characters. Absolutely. What did you make of it, Kelly? Yeah, I I agree completely, and I think this version of Clayface. Yeah, I, I almost like it better than any other version. This is my favorite version. So, yeah, I got to echo, echo you guys on that. And also, I, I love his introductory character, that he has this whole backstory as a bartender. Never mind what Clayface is doing, just working in a bar. But as this, like, cowboy bartender with the whole... It, it's fun to see him... Even the little glimpses we get of his imagination, every time throughout this whole show that he comes out with a character, it's, and we see it again later in this episode when he's trying to convince Maxie Zeus that he's his son, that this man can just build, you tell him, all right, you're going to be a mailman. He goes, okay, wonderful, a mailman with a tragic past. And it's like, it's just such a fun, different way of looking at the character than initially. So I, yeah, he's definitely my favorite too. What about you, Seth? What a great introduction. Uh, Kelly, way to tap into the fact that we first get to see him building this, you know, ah, ha, I'm, I'm from the Midwest and I just got this little farm. I got three siblings, four girls, you know, cats, dogs, chickens. Like he's, he's built up this whole thing. I'm sure he probably knows what this guy, you know, drinks for breakfast, eats. Uh, you know, what he has uh, for lunch, what his favorite snack is, what his favorite dirty thought is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, those actors who will build a character. And the the fun thing is, you know, Steve, I love the fact that you brought in Alan Tudyk for, for being this amazing voice. And you have to imagine that he's kind of riffing on himself in some ways. Like he has to build these characters from something. He couldn't have just walked in and said, I've got a funny voice and this is going to be Clayface now. Like, you know, you can't just like suddenly like, you know, there, there's got to be more to it. Like, why is he doing this and what makes him so over the top? Cause he wants to whatever. And then he builds, but the way it sort of just pokes fun at that, that, that sort of like identity that he creates and then how he changes. And then Kendra, you brought up so, so <laughs> I didn't even think of it until you said it, but I thought like he whips and changes form, but you said he shakes and at that moment, I suddenly just pictured Clayface as like the eager dog. You know what I mean? He's kind of a mutt. Nobody really wants him around. And then when he shakes and gets the wet, yucky stuff all over you, you're like, ah, oh, God, this fucking dog. I love him. He's beautiful and happy, but he's such a goddamn mess. He smells all the time. His coat's never. You know what I mean? Like, I just felt at that moment they were just missing him, like that happy, ugly, beautiful, smelly dog. Um, you know, that you, you want to love, but at the same time, like you always have to wash your hands, your face, your clothes after like petting, touching, rubbing and, <laughs> and the way he's just so dismissed, but then, you know, he's so eager, like I'm ready to go. I'll give you 150%. Wait, I have 300, you know, and he won't <laughs> dial it down because dialing it up is the only way to go. You know, he's like, I'm in a 12, but you need me at a 15. And you're like, we need you at a four, but never mind, bro. You're already, you know. You're gone. We we can't even. And and I love the fact that we're talking about Alan Tudyk because it lets me just think of that great serenity line. He's like, "Nah, wait. I'm a I'm a leaf on the wind. <laughs> can't stop me." Steve, <laughs> what did you think, my friend? Completely unstoppable. I love the whole shaggy dog analogy. He's like a long-haired mutt that's been rolling around in shit and mud all day, and then allowed to run through the house, painting the walls brown and <laughs> all seen or experienced Dude, a dog if you've that, ever taken a dog to the beach and they find the one dead oh. animal and then they just have to roll in it and then share with you what they've you know what i mean <laughs> and they're just like get away get no <laughs> it's a mess but I, I love clayface because when he's in full and thespian mode like i said he's like a john cleese or do you know what he reminded me of aquaman from brave and the bold mixed in with Lumpy the Turd Boy, <laughs> because that's what he looks like <laughs> as Clayface. Oh, Lumpy the Turd Boy. He's just fucking hilarious. And the whole, yeah, like Kelly said, the way he's got to really get into character. Yes. What, what What's the, tell me more about this mailman. What's he like? Where's he come from? What's his, what's his whole raison d'etre? <laughs> Why does he do what he does? And then as Zeus, 
lures him down the garden path and he's more and more grotesque and then a lisp and then the hunchback and then his blue eyes. Oh, it's fucking amazing. I love this so much. But now we have to talk about the ultimate douche. I mean, Joker's a frat boy, just like Kelly's been saying, but Maxi Zeus, I want to slap that dude so hard. Brad, how annoying <laughs> is he? Yeah, yeah, very. Uh, like every bad stereotype you can imagine for like a promote, like a inspirational speaker, he is it. <laughs> and, and the character, and even in the comics, has been kind of annoying for for a while. So uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised. And it's just it just shows another example of how brilliant the show is of taking these lesser known characters and uh, really reinventing them in fun ways. Um, yeah, and it just it, it makes it makes perfect sense for Maxi Zeus uh, to be how they showed him to be. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? I absolutely loathe him. I loathe him in every way that you possibly can. He, the, the actor who does his voice, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he does him so perfectly. There's like the, the perfect hint of condensation in everything that this man says, especially when it comes to him being backstage with Harley. And she's just like, so you've got a creepy dick. And I don't say that as a compliment. You really need to get that looked at. I mean, it's, he's, <laughs> he's such... A jerk. I don't like him. <laughs> and who does? What do you make of him, Kelly? That's yeah. I I agree completely with you guys that he is the worst character in the show. And it's funny that he shows up at the same time that we see Doctor Psycho use the c word because somehow watching Maxi Zeus, you almost you're okay with Dr. Psycho being on the crew by the end of the episode because you see him and it's like, wow, this guy is terrible. And I think one of um, one of the points that that Kendra made that I love is just he his voice is so like we've all heard this voice somewhere and we just don't somewhere in my personal history, I have heard someone with this same personality talk down to me the same way. And it just, it makes you hate him. And then on top of that, just, it, it he wasn't a good enough character to me in anything else that he's shown up in to deserve to be as proud of himself as somebody who would have like a pyramid scheme, motivational speaking type engagement, but it fits his personality perfectly for sure. Who could argue with that? Seth, what did you make of Maximus Dickus? I'm going to start with the voice, which is just so very Tony Robbins. Anybody else? Like, do you remember that moment when you started hearing the not so story recently about Tony Robbins? And like suddenly he was dropping um, a couple of unpleasant phrases. And as he did, (laughs) you just went, wow. So what's he like behind the scenes? And it's almost like we sort of get that best creative interpretation from the writers and and the voice. And we get that. I I like to call it my smiling showcase host white guy voice where it's like, hi, how are you? Let me tell you how you're doing. You're not doing well enough and I can make it better. And here's how. Stick with me. Ching. Big smile. Big, you know, gleaming teeth. And the stuff he says, man, like – I'm going to max all your dreams come true. <laughs> a villain can go it alone. A supervillain needs a crew. Um, I sleep on a pile of gold because of my 1996 Olympic. <laughs> like just this like self-promoting, self-presenting, uh, you know, well, as it was said by others, you know, he's just a creepy dick. And unfortunately, uh, in this example, it's like, you know, while uh, Psycho might have referenced Clayface as just being, you know, uh, a literal piece of shit, this guy's more like a polished turd. And as Kelly pointed out so well, after we see him, we're like, well, if this is the polished bullshit people are willing to accept, then you know what? So the so the creepy little Psycho guy who doesn't know the right and wrong things to say out loud or even think probably um, – he he's he's not as bad now because we've seen that when you polish up these smarmy guys, you kind of just wish they go away instead of 
you know, being something that's still acceptable on television or at his own events. Um, and at some point we have to talk about his statue because like, really? I mean, and it's up to you which one, whether it's the big one, or the ones inside or any of it. But we got to get to that because, uh, you know, when when Harley drops in, the prick has it coming. Like, you know, I was like, holy shit, like right on the nose or, you know, the tip. I don't know. Anyways, uh, it gets pretty it gets pretty wild. And uh, he's a great introduction to a character that we all love to hate, as Kendra pointed out so well. Like he just makes it easy to hate him. You're like, wow. You are such, such a jerk, such, and as, you know, has been described, so condescending, so, you know, dismissive. It's easy to just, yeah, you suck. Whatever you got coming to you, man, we're cheering for it. So, uh, hey, Psycho, Harley, go to town. Steve? I think Brad wanted to say something just then, Brad. Oh, no, no, no. No, I was just agreeing with Seth. Yeah. <laughs> just with the whole statues thing. And I don't know. I think they're all bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I, I just wanted to, like, you know, keep that one alive because they're blurring something out, man. And we've already heard from Harley that it's not pretty looking. So it just kind of gets weird that he wants a statue and, you know. <laughs> Steve? I wonder if he made it himself. <laughs> well, he did the painting. Yeah, the painting. <laughs> oh, that it's... would be creepy. Oh. <laughs> Shivers down your spine. Well, it's, it's like, yeah, not only does he have a creepy dick, he probably is the creepiest dick ever seen on television. I, I love what you said, Kelly. That as bad as Dr. Psycho is, at least he's got awesome superpowers. What has Maxi Zeus got apart from a creepy penis? I mean, let's let's be real here. Even in the comics, he is the most useless supervillain. Forget Kite Man. Forget Killer Moth. Forget Stilt Man from Marvel. This dude, he thinks he's a god and he's just an arse. A-R-S-E. That's how we spell it in the UK because rrr, he makes me mad. Uh, Maxi Zeus, listen, someone shove a lightning bolt up your ass and fuck off. I hate you. I hate you. I really, really, really hate you. But on the opposite side of the coin. Huh? I'm curious. I have delusions of grandeur, too. Sometimes early in the morning, late at night or, you know, in moments of, you know, lack of consciousness. Can I be a supervillain, too? Is that what we're saying? Hey, if you have delusions of grandeur and believe you're half God or some other sort of thing that you can't really prove or back up, you can be... (laughs) You can so, be a cut rate supervillain. It's possible. You just got to dream big and willing to suck. <laughs> so, you do not have delusions of grandeur. You're part of this. <laughs> we are the gods of podcasting. <laughs> oh, yes, we are okay. listeners. Fuck off if you don't believe us. We are. Okay. Well, now I feel better about wearing my toga. Oh, am I the only one today? I thought we all agreed. Nothing slipping <laughs> out. This is not a family show. <laughs> Going from characters we hate to one character that I officially am in love with. And once again, she steals every scene. People, let's talk Poison Ivy. Brad. Yeah, uh, you know, once again, I think she is kind of the audience's eye into the story. She's like all of us. We've all kind of dealt with. Uh, for, not not as extreme as Harley, but friends like Harley and and the fools that surround us. And I think that she is really relatable in that way. And this episode is just more examples of that. And she's got, for what it's worth, she's got a good heart. She'll never turn her back on Harley, no matter what. And uh, you know, this just. She's just a, it's just a great character. It's probably one of my favorite versions of Poison Ivy as well. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? I have to agree. She's, she's the reason that I, when I watch this, there's, there's this little voice inside of me that comes out of my mouth and says, for fuck's sake, at least 10 times while watching these episodes. Because you just, <laughs> you're so used yeah. to viewing it through her eyes that, you know, you're like, oh, okay, like Harley comes in from, joker's goons throwing her out of the train and she busts in the door and i need a crew and she's like no girl you need a shower but 
she's the real part of it. And I like that because she holds herself back from Harley while Harley is doing all of this spontaneous stuff. And yes, we get her, her peanut gallery, but she literally like tries to make Harley think while she's doing all this, trying to assemble a crew and showing her like she's the one who sends her out to see Queen of Fables to see what can happen. And I mean, she's just the, the guiding light for Harley that Harley never wants to listen to. And I absolutely adore her. Oh, she's amazing. What do you think of her, Kells? Yeah, I, she is my favorite character in the show. Maybe I've, sometimes Bane gets close. Sometimes Bane is oh. almost up there. Um, but yeah, I, I think one of my favorite parts of the way she's written is just the fact that, you know, like you guys were saying, she's this voice of reason that Harley is going off the rails in a thousand different ways, probably ways that, you know, Ivy couldn't have anticipated when she broke her out of Arkham, but she's just this steady voice of reason through the whole show. She's like, don't do that. Okay. All right. I guess we're doing that. And then, um, also one of the things I love about this episode, we see her for half a second tell Harley that she loves her and it's adorable but it's it's such an offhand like it's the way that I would have said it to someone if I was you know in high school where it's like you know and I uh I love you don't make a big deal about it but like it's it's that kind of like off kilter just she pretends to be morbid but there's so much good in her which is hilarious because she's also like the top pick for the Legion of Doom. But yeah, I always love, love Ivy in this. Do Oh yeah, absolutely. We love her. What do you make of her Uncle Seth? I'm going to start out with the fact that she's wearing a tree hugger shirt, which in that moment just yes. cements how much, you know, she's like, what? This is what I am. Come at me. You know, <laughs> I almost feel like at some point she's going to have one of those shirts. Are you mad, bro? Um, you know, and just sort of like play with it in some way. Like, you know, yeah, tree hugger. You mad? You know what I mean? Like there's there's just something wonderful about her. Um, I'm going to give a, a shout to Kelly really quick because I remember, Kelly, it was at least, you know, two or three months ago back on the podcast that you were talking about, maybe even earlier, that you were talking about how, you know, one of the things you want to see is a version of Ivy as she appears on the Harley Quinn um, TV show. You know what I mean? Like everything about that cool, collected, a little bit, you know, too cool for the own, like, you know, because when she tries to be honest, then it comes out kind of clunky. Like she's like, yeah, you know, and, and I love you. But don't make it weird. Don't, 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 don't make this a big thing about it, you know, because I don't do big things like that. I'm Ivy. I'm cool. And then also what I love in this episode is we get to see the contradictions to that, because like all of us, like I don't care who you are, you can be as cool and polished as you want. And we all still stumble over stuff, trip over stuff, look like an ass. So there's these moments where she's like, yeah, well, I don't know about you. I've been doing fine without a crew on my own. And then Frank's over there like, really? You do just fine on your own while plants are like pouring coffee for her, offering her stuff. You know what I mean? So she's like she's saying all the things you want to say to somebody because you need them to believe in it right now. But you also know that there's a certain amount of it where you're just as much full of shit as the rest of us. Like, it's great to say, like, yeah, I love to get up every day, go for a run, knock out some weights, do some exercising, maybe some Pilates. I have a nice, healthy breakfast, maybe some quinoa with, you know what I mean? And that's great. But then there's real life where suddenly you're like, yeah, so today that shit didn't happen. I barely got through a coffee. I bummed half a cigarette off some guy because too late last night. And and I just, you know, fuck it. So, you know, she's she knows what she needs to sort of tell Harley, but she also knows we can't all live it up. And Frank's sort of just sort of, you know, poking her a little bit like, uh huh. OK. And then, you know, just the fact that as her you know community, this is kind of the shit that's also helped her develop this cool, icy demeanor because he's like bawling tears like, is anybody else feeling this shit like, ah, and then he's like, a man can't show emotion. And they're just like, dude, we're way too cool for that. We don't we don't we don't do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like she she she's cool when she needs to be. She's so cool most of the time. And then she's also just flawed enough that we're like, ah, see, nobody can be that cool all the time. Even you got some. And Frank calls her on it. I, I love Ivy in this. Um, 
I, I love the fact that now Kelly has cemented in my idea in my mind the idea that there is only one Ivy persona we can see moving forward in all collective DC products, and that's this one. Steve, how about you, buddy? What I love about this show is we can go from being complete fucking children one second to get all deep and psychological because, yeah, Ivy is us in every way. She's a badass villain, powerful, mean, but you can just see that inside that cold green exterior is someone that truly loves Holes. And I think this is where I'm getting all bloody psychological now. She made Frank, right? So is Frank actually that part of her she is hiding, that vocal part of her who is emotional that she can't um, express? And isn't Frank just like every man in the world really wants to be yes. where he's just letting out every yes. emotion he can? He's a big green what we want to be. And I, I just love that. I just absolutely love it. And Brad, yes. Kelly, yes. Kendra, yes. Seth, yes. This is the Poison Ivy the world really fucking needs. She is beyond awesome. I adore her. I love her. Uh, I don't care she's green. Um, listen, I, I may, maybe want to speak to my wife tomorrow and say, hmm, have you thought about chlorophyll? Um, <laughs> that's how much I love this fucking character. She is awesome. Absolutely awesome. You know, Steve, you just made me realize something, too, which is the fact that it's like we all want to be Swamp Thing, but most of us just end up as Frank. It's tough. It's not yep. easy. <laughs> but for, for most guys, men, or either attempting to be, they all want to be like, I am Swamp Thing, the coolest, the baddest. I am power and control. I am balance. I'm Frank. I'm just Frank, yeah, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm sick. I think I got a sniffle and I stubbed my toe and you just men can't talk to other men. Like, yeah. So yeah, I think we want to be Swamp Thing. Most of us are just Frank. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole Ivy thing where she just literally, like Kendra said, is us. And she goes, I, I just can't even. <laughs> when she comes out with shit like that, it's just so real. And I love her. I love her. I love her. I love her. Right, people. We're going to take a hold short. Hold on. Hold on. Whoa. Hold on. We all missed one of the big things about this scene. And I'm really surprised that Kelly didn't get it. Because oh. her and Ivy and Harley are talking. And there's a moment there where she mentions that Kite Man can get a crew. Um. <laughs> And then Ivy just like does this really cute, oh, I have a crush, but I'm not going to let you know, and you're not looking at me. And she asks, did he, did he ask about me? Did he say my name? And Harley doesn't even catch it, which plays a huge part later. But she doesn't even catch it. And she asks her not once, but twice about Kite Man, and no response whatsoever from Harley. She does, It doesn't even click with her. Great catch, Kendra. Awesome. I totally agree. You're right. Yeah, we just glossed over that, but twice. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to come back to it in the second half of the show. <laughs> ah, ah. Well, so, my apologies. No, no, Kendra, listen, I'm glad because that shows you are watching with your keen eagle eye. But like I said, yep, we're going to brush on that a bit later on. But first of all, we need to take a little break to pay the bills and to hear about all the other shows on the network. And then we will return back soon. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> <laughs> No. 
This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. And we're back, mad lovers, or lovers of the insane, with the five Arkham escapees known as Brad, Kendra, Kelly, Seth, and myself, Steve. And yeah. Other characters that appear in this show, obviously, preempted slightly um, before the break. I have to mention, he's had a brief appearance in the episode, but um, deep repercussions. Because like we said last week, flying over Gotham Park, Ivy's hard exterior cracked a little, but more than we thought. Yeah, he uh, had an effect on Ivy and she is letting that show. Brad, what do you think of his way into poison ivy's heart uh I, I think she can see that he means well even if he'll always mess up he means well um and those little aspects of of his character make him more complex than we're used to seeing in a cartoon and it just goes back again to one of those things that just makes this show so brilliant um and you know it, it's it's and it's almost instinct with the character that you know. Um, it's not even anything he says or does. It's just, it's kind of this, this instinctual way that the character is written that kind of makes that shine through, which is, is kind of fun to watch. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? I adore this part of the show because you get to see, I mean, you already get to see aspects to these characters that you don't normally and for this one, it's just seeing Ivy, who's used to using her wiles and her poisons and her potions to to basically get what she wants out of men, falling in love with this, this guy and doing it in such a cute way. For Harley, it's just a passing comment. You know, she's just like, oh, well, Kite Man even came in and got a, uh, got a crew. And Ivy, Ivy immediately, if, if she could blush, she probably did because she was like, oh, you saw Kite Man. Did he mention me? And it's just it's. Such a cute thing that you don't you don't necessarily immediately pick up on the first time watching these. So I'm really glad that I got to rewatch it with, with you guys. Kelly, what did you think? Yeah, I I totally forgot about that detail, and that is one of my favorites because that I mean that was I can't even say just high school. That was like high school college me to a T. Where if I like someone, I'm not gonna say anything, but if their name came up in conversation, be like, yeah, so how, how are they doing? Like, what is, what would you guys talk about? <laughs> it's, it's such a fun way to look at Ivy because it just sort of, you know, harkens back to what we've been saying about she is everybody in, in the sense that she just feels so real for a green plant hypnotizing um, super villain who doesn't, like to classify as a supervillain, she's so relatably normal. And it it is really hilarious that it's like watching someone in middle school or high school or, you know, 
adulthood, I won't judge, but we go up to the, you know, the sort of scary concept of I like this person when she's easily able to conjure all of these different, um, you know, plants and vines when there's the Joker or the entire Legion of Doom pointing guns at her. But when it comes to, oh, I have a crush on Kite Man, she's, you know, roundabout and coy. It's just, it's bizarre and it's adorable and I love it. Seth? What's not to love about Kite Man? What I think made it for me that I really was thinking about as I was listening to everyone describe the wonderful qualities that make him such a great character is the fact that they they don't ever back away from the things that they've established about these characters. When it comes to Kite Man, they double down. You know, it's like we were talking about last episode. And I remember, you know, we got into this point where I was trying to explain, like, how Kite Man's thinking would lead to him going, hey, simple strategy, poison the kids, get an antidote, try and seduce the girl. And he's so unplanned, unprepared, unpretentious. He, he just sort of goes... Yeah, I'm unabashedly this. And compared to Ivy, who's used to being so cool and aloof, and compared to Harley, who's just like clueless, um, there's something about that that, Steve, as you pointed out, it's cracking through that exterior. It starts with the fact that he said something so heartfelt and meaningful that she mocks, but then later above the city uh, in episode two, you know, they get a chance to experience that and we get a chance to feel it. And if you've ever had a crush, I mean, also you guys made me think, Kelly, you totally did it. As soon as you were talking about like high school and college and guys, you, you all just sort of started adding these little pieces. I remember actually an old friend who we kind of had this crush thing going on, but we never did anything about it because when I found out she liked me, I was with somebody when or when she told me that, you know, there was an interest, she was with somebody and we were never unattached. And then later, as we were older and kind of talked about it, it was funny. It was like, yeah, we both kind of wanted that to happen at different times in our lives. And it just never happened. And in the meantime, we got together with people who gave us the things we wanted at the time. And it's like you can almost feel like Ivy, she she wants Harley, but Harley's not even seeing her right now. In the meantime, she's got this guy who is such a polar opposite and is so, like, genuine and um, – I mean, the one thing I notice about him the most for all the stupidity, it's stupidity. There's never any malice. And I guess because he's so heartfelt, it's the perfect antidote to melt, you know, the sort of sheen, that sort of protective layer that uh, Ivy has created for herself. So I really love that we get to see how he's able to do that. And I think what's going to be fun is as we develop a relationship with Harley and Ivy down the road, maybe more in two, maybe more in season three. This is going to be something that, you know, she's going to point back to like, hey, I, I need everyone so often. You just show me something like show me you're thinking about me. Show me that you just want to be with me, even if you have like no fucking clue, because when he shows up in the bar and he's like, hey, I need some guys. I think I'm going to rob something, steal something, do something. I don't know. It sounds like fun. Hell yeah. Like there's so much that you got to kind of embrace about that because you're like, I could never do that. And yet he's so happy, just like cluelessly bumbling along. Um, it, it just makes a lot of sense right now in the way that their relationship is building because of the fact that things aren't really happening with Ivy and Harley. You know, like, OK, well, I've told you I love you. But in the meantime, I got this other guy who's showing me a lot of interest. And, you know, he's not a bad guy. And he's, what's he say about me? Steve, how about you, buddy? Yeah, you called it. All of these characters, even though they live in a world of villains and talking plants and kids getting changed into wood and all the nonsense of lassoes and sea bombs and everything else that comes with it and all the pew 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 pews you could ever ask for, these characters are real. And Kite Man, like you said, he walks into that bar. He almost gets stuck at the door because his kite wings are still open. He jumps on the table and he has no clue what his plan is or what he's going to do. But because he's a dude, he gets the crew. And, you know, you just feel for Harley and thinking, well, fuck's sake, this is not right. This is not right. But where Ivy is, the cold, calculated, organised uh person he is the bumbling idiot but they've both got that heart in and whereas she can't be honest and say it 
he does and that's why i think they're almost perfect together or nearly as perfect as as Heidi and ivy because again they're the two opposites no filter harley cool reserved ivy and i just love this shit so much it's 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 not even funny it's the stupidest program on tv but it's real and we've all had that friend or been in that situation with that crush haven't we every single one of us so awesome just just brilliant absolutely love it now i'm gonna throw the book at you what book you know what book <laughs> queen of fables um wow wonder sykes perfect casting brad what do you make of this lovely lovely lady yeah that uh, it is perfect casting and it is really dangerous for a book to be smoking a cigarette for so many reasons <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah i yeah this character's uh you know a lot of fun um and 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 you were absolutely right with the perfect casting like there was just like it was almost like this character was created for for one sykes um and it is a character that we'll be talking more about but um but yeah i mean it's uh can't say that i like her as much as i like you know clayface or ivy or bane but uh definitely has some charm kendra Oh, Queen of Fables. She walks in and so does Mark, the, the trick-turning gingerbread man. Yeah. And he's probably my favorite character. He's so random and just like, oh, well, here I am. I'm so happy to have this job. And she's just like, well, you're not really needed. You're just here because I didn't have anybody to talk to. <laughs> she's... <laughs> Wanda Sykes does a perfect job with this. I mean, she's always been an amazing actress, and she's a great comedian. And she brought to the Queen of Fables just <laughs> the laugh track that it needed, honestly, because she's scary. <laughs> but upon meeting her, you You're just talking see... smokes. Yeah, that's scary. Right. Like that's the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> But I mean, she she enhanced the show so much. I was so grateful to see her. So that was that's that's my introduction to Queen of Fables. Kelly. Yeah, I after watching this show was upset that I haven't I haven't heard more of her anywhere else because she is a terrifying but also such a an interesting character. And also, I just I right off the bat. As she's telling Harley, you know, this is how I ended up in a book. It's just into the fucking tax book we go. That's like <laughs> that, that probably is my favorite line of this episode because it just it it's an, a bizarre punishment. Like I would love to hear what exactly the Justice League discussed before they decided, you know what, let's put her in a tax book. One, a tax book that that was the book that they had to put her in. I mean, even I guess if. Well, okay, I guess a biology book, they could, she could probably still work some magic. Real, a textbook is the most boring book I could think of for someone to end up in. And it is a weirdly disproportionate punishment. When you think of everything that the Joker's done and that he just gets thrown back in Arkham, it's like, yeah, why wasn't she just in Arkham? Just keep the books away from her. Like, you kept the seeds away from Poison Ivy until you didn't. Um, Seth? <laughs> Well, I, I love the fact that what we get here is this glass ceiling. You know, you're allowed to have a certain amount of power, but don't don't piss off or show up the boys, because if you do, you know, you're going to have trouble. Or as she puts it, a guy robs a bank. He's a villain. Woman robs a bank. She's a crazy bitch. And you're just like, wow, actually, that's completely true in all the ways you just defined it. But you summed it up in a way that none of us probably felt comfortable expressing. So <laughs> thank you, Smoking Tax Code mm -hmm. Book. Um, I can't think of anything more, yeah, boring that you could stuff her into. I mean, a phone book maybe, but then I feel like she would be the spam caller and like a really nasty, mean one and probably do other sorts of manipulation with that. But a tax book, it's like she's restrained only giving out excellent tax code information and helping you file your taxes or request some sort of, you know, 
I don't know enough about taxes to go any further with that. I thought I had a second point. I clearly don't. <laughs> but there is the fact that her punishment, while it feels like it's a total Justice league like uh, punishment fits the crime sort of thing. Oh, well, you use the fables against us. So we in our wisdom shall, of course, imprison you in the same thing. And thus you shall know what the punishment feels like. It's like. Yeah, you you don't like, you know, shove Mirror Master into a mirror, break into a bunch of shards and then, you know, turn him into like a kaleidoscope or a disco ball. Like if you did something similar and he was imprisoned in that, then I think you're you're doting doling out, you know, equally meted punishment. But you're you're not. Clearly, you want to make an example out of her and set a warning as it's sort of pointed out later, like, hey, that's the example that you don't want to become. She's the lesson. Which, of course, falls on deaf ears because this is Harley, who learns only one thing from it, which is the exact opposite. And and that's what makes it so much fun. Kendra, thank you for bringing up Mark. Um, he probably had one of the best lines. Well, you know, at least I'm not out, you know, turning tricks on a corner. Hee <laughs> hee. You never want to think about a gingerbread man that way. And now we have to. And unfortunately, it's just awkward because gingerbread men shouldn't be doing things like that. And certainly not on, on a corner doing things like that for money because life's so bad. No one should ever be doing that. But gingerbread people, come on now. Not even gingerbread men, gingerbread people. Let's talk about gingerbreads just as a community. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and step down. Steve, <laughs> tell me your thoughts, my friend. Hey, sweetie, you look good enough to eat. No, I'm not going down that road with the cookie person. Definitely not. Not going down that road, but... Um, I have to say, Kelly, you said, what were the Justice League thinking when they turned into a book? What the fuck were the Justice League smoking when they turned into a book? What the <laughs> actual hell? And But do you know what? I love talking to you guys because you turn my brain on, which doesn't happen very often. I think the last time was 1983. But the way you actually said, why a tax book? That's it, because it's as far away from a fable, which is a work of wonder and imagination, as you can get, a textbook is so fucking boring that no wonder that poor character is there trying to set herself on fire by sitting next to an ashtray and smoking. She's made of paper. Brad, really <laughs> love you for saying that. That's absolutely amazing. But, oh, dear. Um, every character we meet, new, old, is just a joy in this show. The old characters feel new. And that's the part of the show that I think is really elevating it. Because I've heard some people still complain they don't need to use the language. Rah, rah, rah. But we said it a few weeks ago. That's, again, a real aspect of the show. Because that's just how fucking people speak. Let's be honest. We have to be good and be on our best behavior on all the other shows. But in this one, we can cut loose and, and say it just like Harley and her crew say it. Because you are my crew. And I love you all. But... Um, the realism and the characters are what elevates this amazingly stupid piece of TV. And I love it. But guys, we talk, we ask questions, but there must be parts of the show that we haven't mentioned or brought up that sang to you, that, that made your heart sleep for joy or made you just cringe. And we all know that uh, the C words, one of them and uh, Maxi Zeus is, um, terrible todger i don't know is it bent in half does he not know whether he's coming or going what's wrong with that that thing that he's got lurking under his toga we don't know but brad what what, what sang out from the show for you that we haven't talked about i i just think uh in general there was something about this entire episode of harley kind of coming to herself and realizing that it's kind of up to her she's not gonna have a crew she's gonna have to put it together herself um it's kind of like uh, the movie Alive, when they hear on the radio that they've called off the search, and Ethan's Hawk, Hawk's character goes, well, that's good then, because we're going to have to find ourselves a way off of this mountain on our own. And that's kind of what what she did. And it's kind of nice, you know, it's nice to see that. And uh, uh, just, just in general, then we got all these new characters. We got Clayface, we get Dr. Psycho. Uh, characters that now are uh, so important to the show and we just wouldn't be the same uh, without them. So it's 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 not only Harley coming into herself, but it's the show itself kind of finding its groove. Uh, Kendra? 
I think if I'm stepping away from the trick turning cookie, um, probably my favorite moment, the one that sang for me was after everything was said and done at Maxi Zeus's house, uh, Harley and Dr. Psycho and Clayface are just sitting there looking at him and, you know, she's like, you tell the world that Harley Cruz Quinn or Harley Quinn's crew is not one to be fucked with. And he's just like, no. And then the statues start coming at him and they all start coming in and he finally gives in after, I think it's like five statues and a couple beatings across the head. But he finally says it, and Harley just steps up with her baseball bat, and she's like, I know you will, sweetie, and just swings for the fences. And it is the most <laughs> beautiful thing I've ever seen. That was my favorite part. Kelly? Yeah, I. that is a beautiful moment. I think other than that, the only other – and. I guess you can almost call this a blanket for the next couple of episodes, but we get a a lot of our information throughout the show and throughout this episode from them watching Tawny. And and that's, you know, that's how they find out that Harley Quinn's crew ain't nothing to fuck with. But I wish that was a real show. Like I wish there was almost a, a tiny mini show that you could watch on the off weeks of, of the actual full Harley Quinn show just to see Tawny, because it's like, Dr. Psycho was on there with Giganta. We have, in if not the next episode, in the next couple episodes, Batman and, and Damien and just, it's it would be such a fun show to see. And who is Tawny and why is she so comfortable with just, yeah, there's villains and superheroes throwing shit everywhere during my show. There are sharks and tanks. There is a woman who's easily nine to ten feet tall. And, it, like, who is this woman and why is she so okay with it? Seth? Well, the first thing I can do is respond to that, um, honestly, and not to dig on her, but I, I kind of feel like Tawny's, like, the cartoon version of Wendy Williams. And it's like, hey, the cameras are on. Keep it rolling. Like, we got a show. Let's do this. Um, but as far as other stuff in the show, we I want to just bring up, and I hope you guys have something to say on it because some of this stuff is just – Ah, uh, okay. One, when we're talking about spinoff shows, there needs to be more about UTI, the uh, the yeah. underground, <laughs> the underground identity group that helps fix things. Or as Psycho put it, wow, you fixed that thing when Freeze exposed himself at the water park. You guys are good. <laughs> Which is just one of many like unbelievable quotes from this show that I wanted to include because when I was like hearing them, all I could think of was. You know, what else do you want to add? Well, I want to add when Ivy says, well, with the amount of coke he does, I don't think he sleeps on gold at all. I don't think he sleeps at all, which probably had to be just you know, like pure brilliance. Um, and uh, I think if I was going to sort of wrap it up with like a uh, a final thing, it's got to be when Maxi takes that dig, that last dig before he gets his ass kicked. He's like, this is your crew, a midget in a mudslide. Holy shit. <laughs> There was something absolutely yeah. beautiful about it. The only one that can top it is when she makes Psycho go through the crawl space and he goes, my eyelash has just touched a dead raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fucking died in every one of those. So, yeah, those are just those last little moments where it's like, man, those things just they, they made my heart sing. And, you know, not not an ugly tune, but certainly a crass one. Steve, how about you, my friend? Oh. God, absolutely. And I have to echo all of you, UTI spin-off show, Tawny spin-off show, because obviously we need Tawny because Howie, may you rest in pieces, is no longer with us. So she is the talk show host. And I, I wanted to talk about that talk show as well, because like I said, Giganta wanting to speak for herself because Dr. Psycho, shut the fuck up and let the woman talk. But who is that mysterious person? all in black, sitting on the other edge of the sofa. Mm. It's her son. And she, I know. That's but, the insignificant Moki son. Just sits there on the phone and then just walks off at the end of it without saying a word. And I thought that was just absolute magic. Absolute bloody magic. Loved it. And this show, like you said, Kelly, that's just going to grow and grow and grow. And hey, now that Mr. Freeze is in the show maybe we'll learn what actually happened and what uh, 
they you to help clear up because I, I need to see that episode. I want to watch that story and oh, I want to talk about day it at the water park. Oh, I have to have to see that and talk about it on this podcast because we will quite literally um, wear ourselves. I think it's it's fantastic. So that was so you need a crew, and as we do every week. I want an alternate title. What would you have called this episode? Or let's have a slightly different spin on it. If if you were in this show, who would you see yourself as in this episode? Brad. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I kind of want to say Kite Man, um, just because um, I mean well, but sometimes mess up. Uh, you know, I, I can... I can relate to that. <laughs> Kendra? I think I'm going to go with the alternate title, and it's going to be Whatever Happened to Lois Lane's Roommate from College, Tawny. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. Kelly, what do you think? I think, so if I, I mean, as long as I can still maintain that I'm cool, I'll pick Ivy as the person that I can see myself the most as. Alternate title, I would definitely say the Juggalo in the third row. <laughs> that's oh, that's just, brilliant. <laughs> it's perfect. Seth? Wow, Juggalo in the third row. That's pure genius, Kelly. We we gotta submit that as an alternate title. I think I think DC <laughs> they might uh they might take it. Who did I see myself in this one? Um, you know, this was a love story, so I, I feel like in this one, I kind of sell my, saw myself as a bit of Frank, you know, just, is anybody else feeling this shit? Like, there was some powerful love going on, and I just think we all need to recognize what that can do to some people who are feeling particularly emotional. If not that, then I really kind of saw myself as Felix Faust. Like, yeah, I'm watching this, but let's keep going. Into the hole, die. Into the hole, die. Shh. Don't listen to her. Into the hole. How about you, Steve? Oh, that, that's why I asked the question, because I wanted to get your perspectives. But at some point in my life, I've probably been all of them. Uh, I was definitely more like Kite Man when I was younger. And then obviously, as I grew up, I tried to be a bit more like Ivy, um, the tough exterior. But actually inside, I am actually a human being. But I turned into Frank. And I still am Frank and I'm unapologetic. I am a giant Venus flytrap. No, no, I'm a sensitive man <laughs> that cares. I knew somebody else was feeling this shit, man. Yeah, I love you, Seth. I love you, Brad. I love you, <laughs> I love you, Kelly. Don't read anything into it, though, okay? I just love you guys. So that was it. Another episode of Mad Love the Harley Quinn cast. And People, listeners, we want your feedback. Tell us what you think of this fucked up show and its fucked up hosts, because it's a fucked up world we're living in right now. And we just want to put a smile on your fucked up faces. Um, Brad, where can the world find you and send you their fucked up comments, brother? You can find me on Twitter at FlickyB1. You can find me writing news and reviews on DC Comics News. Dot com, and you can also find me talking DC Comics news on our regular DC Comics news podcast. And Kendra? Um, I can be found on Twitter at Kendy1987. I can also have, I, I'm also available on darknightnews.com as well as fantasticuniverses.com. And if you feel like dropping me some comments, it's Kendra Hale on Facebook. Kelly? You can find me on DC Comics News doing opinion and editorial pieces and on Twitter at TellGamesWrite. Seth? Yeah, you can find me on DC Comics News providing uh, reviews, um, content. I mean, I write stuff. You find my name by it. Tell me what you think. But I actually have a fun request this week. When it comes to finding me on any of the social media things, do me a favor. You can choose one of the following. You can either find me on Twitter as one more singleton. But if you do, you have to send me a dirty joke. I don't care how you do it, but you have to send me a dirty joke. <laughs> Otherwise, I just don't know why we're bothering. That's the only thing sometimes Twitter is really great for. Or if you need a little bit of uplifting during, you know, an unpleasant quarantine period, I've been recommending go check out my dog's Instagram, Bruno and Fiji. 
There's just cute puppies and lots of ridiculous painting. See, Steve knows. And I'm telling you, Steve, back me up here, yo. Do I got cute dogs or what? They're your poochies. See, they're the poochies. <laughs> so your choice. You either go on to Twitter one more single to send me a dirty jerk. You go on to Instagram, Bruno and Fiji, look at cute puppies. You don't even got to comment. Just, you know, enjoy the delight that is beautiful puppies, otherwise known as my babies. Steve, where can folks find you, my friend? Remember, listeners, when Seth says beautiful puppies, he is talking about his dogs. You can catch <laughs> this show and all the other shows on the DC Comics News Podcasts Network, as in the original DC Comics News Podcast, The Spinner Rack, where we tell you our favorite comics of the week. Uh, my little show, I Am the Night, where we talk about Batman, the animated series, where Harley, of course, first appeared. You can catch all those shows on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find podcasts. And you can catch DC Comics News and our sister site, the Batman-related Dark Knight News, all over Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube. As for me, myself, and I, my split personalities always want to hear from you on Twitter at L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O, or just do a search in the search engine of choice for Steve J. Ray to get links to all my news reviews and interviews on both DC Comics News and Dark Knight News, or search Fantastic Universes for that other website, which I own and uh, several of my friends also contribute to. So that's it. That's been another episode of Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, episode three. And we will be back in the very near future. But until then, guys, ladies, my crew, what does the world really need to do? Read. More. Comics. Yes, <laughs> we shall return. <laughs> Two, one.